Welcome one and all to another edition of Fake News Friday here on True North. It is Friday, July 29th. I am Andrew Lawton, guest hosting for Candace Malcolm over the summer months and joined as always by Harrison Faulkner, host of the great new show Ratioed on True North and also True North uh, producer does a lot behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, beside the scenes, around the scenes, between the scenes, you never know. Harrison, good to talk to you as always. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Andrew. I think we're getting the hang of it, you and I, on the uh, on the sub in on sub in fake news Friday hosting. Yeah, I don't know why I thank you for joining me, though. I guess I'm getting awfully comfortable in the guest uh, host role that I've now just said, you know, basically, like, I've been here the whole time and you're the guest host. But uh, that would be some fake news. So keeping with the theme of the program, we have a lot on the agenda for today. I'm lying. We don't actually have an agenda. We just kind of wing it. But certainly a lot that's happened in the week that I want to get to. And one of them is near and dear to my heart because it's an example that brings me back to the nostalgia of the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa in January and February. The media, the political class, the elites really just losing their minds about things that might be unpleasant, but in the grander scheme of things, really aren't how they're being reported. And we're not talking about dismissing things here. We're just talking about what should be the thing we all strive for, fair and honest coverage. Anita Anand, the defense minister, has called out the, quote, desecration of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Now, no mistake about it. This is a very important site. This is an important site in honoring the memories of those who have lost their lives in war while wearing the Canadian uniform. It's important, I think, to recognize and respect all veterans. It is legally protected as well. It's actually a criminal fence to desecrate a war monument. But let's also be clear with our language here. The desecration... The so-called desecration is that someone draped flags on the tomb of the unknown soldier. There were pictures and videos of an event over the weekend where there was an American flag and a Canadian flag on it, and someone was bowing their head at the tomb. Now, this does not strike me as desecration. Maybe it's misguided. I think laying an American flag on top of, and it was a large flag on top of a tomb of an unknown Canadian soldier, is in poor taste. But I, this is not vandalism. This is not trying to disrespect it. This is someone that doesn't really know the proper way to respect it. And regardless of what it was, this has now been elevated to how dare the Freedom Convoy do this, not just how dare this one guy do this. Uh, and again, it's not all that surprising, but every time the same messaging comes out and the media just laps it up. Well, what what I just what I just find bizarre, Andrew, is that the pictures we saw from the Freedom Convoy were the, were of veterans of very proud Canadians, probably far prouder Canadians than many of the Canadians in Ottawa. They were standing by this, the war memorial, singing "O Canada" by the war memorial. I remember that very famous video of those veterans sing, uh, saying the Lord's Prayer and singing "O Canada" outside the war memorial. Shoveling the snow around it, yeah. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And then, of course, when there were uh, people, I, I would say, desecrating the war memorial, when there were people who, I, I don't even know if this was found out to be true, but there were videos of people urinating or so-called urinating close to the, con close to the uh, statue or other people, they were unable to actually link it to the convoy to begin with. So Ottawa seems to be running with this message that 
anybody who is, I guess, disrespecting the war monument in Ottawa, the, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, must be a part of the Freedom Convoy. It's just very classic Ottawa to me that they choose to get outraged over this. And I will agree with you, Andrew, that I think draping the American flag over the Canadian Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is also in poor taste. It's, it is not, a, it's not something I would accept. And if I were around, I'd probably tell that person to uh, take that flag off and go somewhere else. But it was very quiet when we saw Egerton Ryerson statue in outside Ryerson University toppled, when we saw John A. McDonald statues toppled, whether they were in Montreal or whether it was the John A. McDonald statue removed in Kingston. You don't hear much about that. You also don't hear about other statues that get torn down, like Queen Victoria statue on Canada Day or Queen Elizabeth just beside it uh, on Canada Day a few years ago. Well, when you do hear about it, it's celebrating it. Exactly. You actually have MPs saying, wow, this is, I think it was Nikki Ashton, Andrew, who said this is uh, decolonization in action or, or something like that about yeah. the Queen Victoria statue being torn down. It's classic Ottawa to me, you know, make fake outrage about this rather non-event uh, in Ottawa because it's right in their backyard uh, and they're allowed to stir up the memories of the Freedom Convoy, but then say nothing when the founder of our country and influential figures in this country who are by far, in my opinion, uh, forces for good in our history, when those statues get not desecrated, torn down and ripped off their pedestals, it's very silent. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the word desecration, and I, I don't want to get too bogged down by semantics here, but this is, I think, an important term because desecration refers first off to places that are sacred. So I would argue that, yes, the uh, War Tomb of the Unknown Soldier may not be technically sacred, but it's a, a, a level of reverence there. I think sacred normally refers to sites of saints and martyrs and, and religious and holy sites. But nevertheless, I, I'm not going to say it's not desecration if you do engage in a violent disrespect as desecration requires at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. But I remember when the convoy was in Ottawa, we heard of desecration of the Terry Fox statue, which was also a removable flag and a removable sign. And I'm like, you know, I like Terry Fox. I have a great deal of respect for Terry Fox. It's not a sacred site, and they didn't do any vandalism. They didn't actually do anything that you would argue is desecration, unless you are a fake news reporter. And this is the thing. You're right. Anytime something happens in Ottawa now, it's, well, it must have been convoy. So, you know, you drive your uh, Tesla down the road and you hit a pothole. It's like a oh, freaking convoy. Like, so now anytime something happens, they're blaming the convoy. And when you do have a situation here that someone who probably was affiliated with the convoy protest has done it, it, it loses all context and nuance. Instead of just saying, hey, bro, you shouldn't have done that. It becomes this federal case in a literal and figurative sense. Yeah, and, and we found out about this. I touched on this earlier, but it's important to bring up that that video, it was, a, it was a video during the convoy protest of a woman standing on the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, True North reported that that woman was not affiliated with the convoy at all. So again, yes, it's possible that this person was affiliated with the convoy, but it's just this fake outrage that I find to be just so... I don't, I don't really have a word for it, but... When, when there's nothing to be said about the Queen, Queen Elizabeth statue, our technical head of state being torn down on Canada Day, when there's absolutely nothing at all said about that, and then there's this fake outrage about flags draped over the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, it completely loses all its meaning. And yeah, of course, even with the Terry Fox statue, they called that desecration. There was a hat, a sign, and a flag on him, and it turns out that actually university students and other protest movements have, you know 
adorned the Terry Fox statue with their own messaging and their own, uh, their own sort of garb or whatever they would have at their protests. So again, it's just this idea. It, it's, it's an easy demonization of people that a lot of, a lot of these figures in Ottawa, whether they're in the government or whether they're in media don't like. It's a quick, easy, easy thing to just say, well, we know these people are, you know, the, these awful, nasty truckers, Well, we're just going to pin all the things we don't like on them or things that we don't even really care about that much. We're going to take every opportunity we can to, again, go back to that demonization of those people. And I just think it's going to keep happening um, for quite a while, unfortunately. Yeah, and all you need to do is look at it, basically any coverage, and the media is already starting to go down this road of anything bad has to have a Freedom Convoy angle or a Freedom Convoy connection. And I must say, I did not see on my bingo card the, I shouldn't, uh, you know, keep such a small bingo card because evidently we find lots of things are on it that I wouldn't have expected. The papal visit ended up becoming a Freedom Convoy story in a way. What happened here? So what we found out or what we were told by the legacy media was that for some reason, the Freedom Convoy was going to show up outside of a First Nation uh, and protest the Pope's apology, which anyone who was a part of the Freedom Convoy or involved in the Freedom Convoy in any way, like yourself or even like myself, who was there just for about a week's time, knows that that just doesn't make any sense at all. Most of the people, or mo a lot of the flags that you saw at the Freedom Convoy, were there, there were a lot of Every Child Matters flags. There were a lot of uh, First Nations people involved in the protest. Yeah. So the yeah. idea that the people that were in Ottawa would all of a sudden show up at a papal apology on a First Nation uh, just didn't, didn't make any sense to most people. But nonetheless, the National Post actually ran with a story, and the headline of the story was Freedom Convoy to Protest Pope's Apology in Maskowitz, Alberta. So, uh, I don't even, I don't know if I said that right. Excuse me if I didn't get that right, but that's... Yeah, now, now they're going to say you're uh, part of the Freedom Convoy, mispronouncing Maskowitz, Alberta. <laughs> now, now we're going to find out that if you, uh, if you mispronounce parts of the country, then you must be a trucker too. So there we go. You have to do with, you have to do with this town's name, what we did with that uh, CBC feminizing, masculinizing thing. You, you have to say it in like, you know, the, the Maskowitz and the Maskowitz. Yeah, I have to do, I have to do more practice and remember my, my keys and O's when it comes to that. But so of course, Andrew, like you and I, what, most people who saw this immediately said that's, well, that's BS. There's no possible way that's even true. It's just a classic line a classic thing to demonize people who are part of the freedom convoy and unsuspecting canadians or canadians who are perhaps take the national post still um with a lot of credibility i think they still have some canadians will read that and not question it they'll just immediately realize and, and take the headline for what it is it turns out however that even the national post recognized that what they wrote was wrong because andrew like we've done before like we've seen before the legacy media quietly changes the headline to completely change the story. So again, the headline originally from the National Post was Freedom Convoy to Protest Pope's Apology in Maskowitz, Alberta. Now the headline reads, Pope arrives in Canada for penitential visit aimed at Indigenous reconciliation. No mention of the First Nation in Alberta, no mention of the protest, and of course, no mention of the Freedom Convoy. I wonder where it went, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's there with the actual Freedom Convoy protesters in the sense that they, they don't exist. Uh, and it's weird. And, and I should say, I mean, the National Post, I don't think, made it up. It sounds like the uh, chiefs of this band had sent a note out 
and they said, we ask that the Freedom Convoy protesters planning to attend stay home or find a place to protest elsewhere. But it still was never made clear who are these protesters? How do you know they're going to be there? And I don't like, was this a publicity stunt? Was it a band that was just being really, really cautious? They didn't want to be protested. Or did they expect that if Trudeau were there, that would trigger protesters, which I, I could understand. But it, it was like, condemning a protest that never existed in the first place and it was like you're right i mean the quiet little headline edit that undermines the entire story but people don't forget that people remember the headline and especially the people that didn't click through to read the story are probably still convinced that oh those evil freedom convoy people were harassing the pope and indigenous people on their own territory so we have to give credit to the national post here because unlike global news who also ran the same story, they did clean up the headline to be more accurate. In fact, to be accurate to begin with, because clearly there was no protest at all. Well, Global News ran the story, uh, and they th their their headline was, Maskowitz to Freedom Convoy protests during Pope visit, your agendas do not have a place. So Global News runs with the story. They don't have any interest at all, I guess, in changing up their headlines. So again, it's it's this tricky game that I think legacy media plays on Canadians, which is this. They know that a lot of readers will either only read the headline or only read the headline plus the first two paragraphs of a story. So they can actually bury a lot of the uh, factual information or information that provides context to a rather inflammatory headline. And they can bury that at the bottom of the story, get their, uh, get their message across, and Canadians will be none the wiser. And I think that's something that really needs to be called out by a lot more people. This idea that you can, you can play with headlines and you can play with the first couple paragraphs of a story to basically, and you can almost convince something, someone of a totally different line uh, when the end of the story tells you the opposite side. So that's really what I think is going on here. Um, they, they, they tried to make it out as though this was a guaranteed protest, when in reality, it was a press release of this, of this First Nation preemptively saying to Freedom Convoy protesters, don't come. And I can tell you one thing's for sure. If the, if the Freedom Convoy protesters, or I, we keep saying that, because that's really the line that the journalists are taking here. If protesters showed up at this event, we would have seen it. That's for sure. It would have come across our headlines because legacy media would have taken it. Interestingly enough, I didn't see any footage of, of this event. I'm not sure if you did, Andrew. Not, not, no footage of protests. And again, the people that would be most likely to protest would be indigenous people that have feel that, that have, and I mean, the Catholic Church has acknowledged this. The Pope acknowledged this on Thursday that have grievances with the Catholic Church and with the Pope's presence. So the people protesting would be indigenous people. And in a weird way, the media then should be happy. The media should be happy that the Freedom Convoy protesters were going so woke. They were protesting on behalf of indigenous people against the Pope. But my goodness, not a, not a shining day of light for the media in Canada. No, and it's it's always good when you get when you get a real softball on fake news Friday when you get a real easy one whether it's a headline Yeah, we don't even need to work for it. The story spins itself. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, by changing the headline, they're they're outing themselves as uh, having gotten something. Exactly. Wrong. They made it they made it really easy on us, Andrew. It's just, you know what? I got to say to National Post, thank you. That's a we, we got to give them thanks for making our life easy on this uh, on this program.
Uh, let's talk about a load of bull bleep, uh, quite literally, because we're going to talk about fertilizer here, and we're not, that's not, we're, it's not a stand-in for the outlets we're covering. We're talking about literal farm-grade fertilizer here, uh, which we know is becoming a big challenge globally. You look at farmers' protests in the Netherlands in particular, and in Canada, we see farmers also getting very uptight about the same things. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because the governments are going after nitrogen, the governments are, are going after all aspects of farming, which is already, in, in some respects, for some types of farming, uh, a very difficult, economically challenging industry. And the media is whitewashing this entirely. In one particular story from CBC, where they're talking about young farmers, the growing crop of young farmers. I bet they're very proud of that one, as well they should be. I, I like a pun as much as the next guy. But uh, they're talking about all the young farmers, and they want to get these hopes for the future and all of that. But what they have not done is acknowledge the big, giant elephant in the room right now plaguing Canadian farmers. It's incredible. This is bias of bias of omission. This is Wait, yeah. Is it bias or is it? I mean, do you think it's just incompetence or do you think it's like a reporter that just has no idea? This is the first time they've ever written about something rural. Well, I I I, I refuse to believe Andrew that the CBC are not aware of this. In fact, I think actually they even wrote a story, which makes it even worse for them. They wrote a story before that about Ontario farmers raising issue with this emissions reduction scheme from the government. So it makes it much worse when the CBC acknowledges what's going on to farmers, probably the biggest story uh, to affect farmers in years. Clearly, it's a worldwide global story as well. So the CBC acknowledges that this is happening to Canada's farmers in one story. And then they basically try and spin the narrative. At least that's my, that's my take on it. They spin the narrative to try and convince Canadians, actually, that no, a lot of young people are optimistic about farming and young people are going into farming. And the best part about this one, which really makes me laugh and makes me think it's totally bias of omission and not pure incompetence, is that the first woman they highlight in this story, they highlight a series of young Manitoban uh, farmers who have got into farming recently. Again, it's only four, so it's not really, it's not really symbolic of anything great. But the first woman they highlight talks about how she got into farming for climate change purposes, you know? So again, it, it, it's totally in line with what I believe the government is trying to push, which is, you know, we need to use, we need, we need to alter our agricultural practices to fix the climate. I'm not a farming expert. I'm not, I'm not, you know, fully up to all the details on what's going on. But what I do know is that Canadian farmers are extremely concerned about this. And this is obviously a huge, huge story. And just like any other climate scheme from Justin Trudeau that we've seen, whether it's in out, whether it's focused on the natural resource sector or it's here in farming, it's having adverse effects for Canadians. It's actually making Canadian lives more expensive and more, uh, more difficult. So again, it's unbelievable to me that the CBC would write this story to try and convince Canadians actually know a bunch of young people are getting into farming and not mention the biggest story that has hit the agricultural sector in years. I tweeted this story and I just wrote, no mention at all about the fertilizer reduction scheme that will cripple Canadian farmers. Perfect timing to shift the narrative away from Trudeau's self-destructive agriculture policies. Imagine working for the CBC and calling yourself a journalist. Because frankly, to me, this is, this is just ridiculous, Andrew. I mean, you can't really call yourself a journalist if you fail to mention the biggest story that is affecting Canadian farmers. I, I guess my big issue on this is that they're trying to avoid, as you, I think, quite act accurately put, they're trying to avoid 
the big elephant in the room on this. But the one thing that I find so laughable about it is that on one hand, they're trying to put this fancy little nice human interest story on farming, which, okay, fair enough. But the whole thing that's happening right now is you have governments around the world that are basically trying to outlaw farming. And I, I know that's an exaggeration by design, but I mean, just look in the UK, they have a lump sum payment that they're giving people who agree to retire from farming. You have farmers in the Netherlands that are basically being pushed out of the industry. You have farmers in Canada that are being pushed out of the industry, either indirectly or directly. And we're supposed to be like, oh, no, 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 none of this is happening. Government doesn't have anything to bear. No, 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 there's no cricket sandwiches for you. Beef is fine. Corn is fine. Snow peas are fine. But uh, yeah, you know, it's young people, young crop of farmers. Ooh, got to use that pun. Okay, uh, we're going to drop the fertilizer uh, charge uh, cap and just do the pun about crops and that'll be enough, right? Yeah, that's journalism for you. <laughs> when I tweeted this story, uh, I got a, there were some hilarious reactions to what uh, the article, and it's funny because it's worth mentioning this just to highlight again how journalistic this article is. The person they put as the feature image of the article is this guy wearing a perfectly clean shirt with really long hair. And one of the people commented that they were making jokes about how, you know, this guy clearly probably, well, maybe he has, but he doesn't really look like he's spent that much time on a farm. And uh, he doesn't really portray the image of the classic farmer. So it just kind of goes along with this narrative of, uh, of, of the CBC being either totally, totally disconnected from average regular Canadians and the, and the problems that Canadians face every day, or just being horribly bad journalists and totally incompetent. It's really a toss-up these days. One or the other will, will probably uh, answer what's going on, depending on the article you read from them. But again, like we always say on Fake News Friday, if we're ever in doubt or if we're ever short on content, it's just one quick, one quick trip away from the CBC website and we will easily solve our problem with, uh, with content. Now, I kind of like, I mean, that could actually be a new lifestyle brand, the hipster farmer by CBC. So it's, it's no longer Farmer Bill. It's now like Farmer Caden or something. So uh, no offense to the Cadens out there. Nothing against Cadens. I just, it's the, the guy could have well have been a Caden anyway. Uh, uh, so you, you, I think, touched off on there on a natural segue about CBC being disconnected. Uh, why don't you take the lead on this next story? Well, yeah. So of course, like we talked about, talk like the CBC just couldn't be more disconnected from the average Canadian. And in an attempt, I guess, to connect with Canadians, they offered Canadians some parental guidance. So they actually published this article earlier this week under the, under the I guess you could call that a sub-headline of parental guidance. Well, the headline of this story reads, as more kids question their gender identity, we need to support and accept them. So this is what the CBC wants parents, or this is the guidance, I guess you could say, the CBC is trying to give parents uh, as to how to deal with their children's sexuality, as if the CBC thinks that they have anything to say in regards to that. Well, the CBC ran this op-ed, I guess you could call it, well, it's not even, actually, excuse me, it's not even labeled an op-ed, this is just labeled as parental guidance, I think this is the first time I've even seen an article like this from them. Anyway, this woman, Amy Bell, starts off the article in a very bizarre way, in a way that I would say probably doesn't set, set the rest of the article up for success. She starts off by saying, Andrew, I'm a big fan of kids these days. They constantly amaze me. And like a lot of other parents, I think the way they so openly approach and accept gender identity, gender fluidity, and sexuality is pretty cool. Well, just on that note, I will say, I don't really think kids are accepting this all of a sudden. Kids will just, I believe, 
naturally parrot the lines or what they're being told, whether it's from a parent or a teacher. Clearly, as we know from other reports that we've done at True North and from reporting that we know has been, has been, has been taking place across the country, younger and younger students are being exposed to gender ideology in classrooms. So I don't think this CBC article has it exactly right uh, when they say kids are talking about gender fluidity. I think the reality is kids are now being talked to about this stuff and tried, I guess you could say, convinced to think it is the new thing. Well, it's the CBC. So, I mean, this is just, I guess, par for the course with them, Andrew. Yeah, and again, I mean, first off, I don't think anyone should be looking to CBC for lifestyle guidance in of any way. I wouldn't even take a recipe from CBC based on some stories, let alone how to raise my non-existent children. Uh, but if they did exist, I, you know, and even even though they don't exist, I still think it would be dangerous to take cues from from CBC on this. But also, what I, I don't like here is that she's advocating a position that is unchallenged when there is a lot of legitimate debate that's coming from experts, not just from people like us that are dismissed as, you know, right-wingy Haiti haters or whatever, but from experts, from doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists who are saying, you know, maybe we should not be going through the road that she's proposing, which is complete unquestioning gender affirmation on children at a very young age. And the challenges in this position, again, I mean, we talked about this with CBC Kids promoting similar messages to a child audience. At least this piece is directed at parents. But I, I want to read one of the lines because she's talking about how kids are supposedly more progressive and more woke than their parents. So she's saying, all you parents that don't like the whole non-binary thing, well, your kids your kids get it, so you should just butt out and, and let your child identify as a girl, let your child identify as a boy, let your child identify as neither, if, if that's what you'd like. And it's very prescriptive, and it's very harmful. I think you have a lot of parents that have no idea how to navigate this world. And now CBC is using its platform to basically tell parents that it's hateful because they use that term in the article. It's hateful if you don't go down the road of unquestionably saying that, yes, your child can get up and say, I'm a boy, I'm a girl, I'm neither. I'm one of the examples in the article, a demigirl. Like I've heard of a demiglass when you're cooking. I've never heard of a demigirl before, but it's now one of the options that we're just supposed to say is completely a-okay. And it's not about being anti-trans. It's not about being anti-gay rights. It's about understanding that children are complex. And we don't let, I mean, when I was a kid, there were lots of things where my parents had to tell me, uh, no, you probably shouldn't choose that at four years old and there's a reason that I didn't decide to you know jump off a building with a cape because I thought I could fly or something like that because parents tell kids what certain things are that they can't do that aren't rooted in reality and there are huge problems that come with this mindset that CBC is putting without question without debate exactly you touch on this point that's super important in my opinion which is where is the where is the other side of this when it's a taxpayer funded parental guidance article. I mean, this is what Canadians are paying for, and this is the guidance we're getting from the CBC that we all pay for. Again, and you also touch on this point about grounding, grounding, the, grounding the CBC in reality. This article, at the beginning, again, it's at the top of the article, this, this woman writes, both of my children have close friends who have chosen to explore and live openly with a gender that feels true to them, even if it's not what they were assigned at birth. So, Andrew, we're, we're, we're assigning genders at birth now, and we're, we're just writing that as though it's completely, uh, as, as though that's, that's really what's going on here, as though doctors are just picking as they, ch you know, choosing when a baby is born, oh, this is a boy and this is a girl. When you're assigned to a birth, I mean, it's just, 
it's obviously not grounded in reality. I think a lot of us are at this point where we want to say that some of this stuff is obviously not grounded in reality, but there's this pressure that says, well, we can't say that, or we want to, again, we're concerned about offending the wrong people. Like you said, it's not about being anti-gay rights. It's not about being anti-trans. It's just trying to make sure that when the CBC gives parents guidance, again, unsolicited guidance, I don't think anyone was asking for this piece, but it's when the CBC gives guidance to parents, can it, can it at least be grounded in some semblance of reality? Please, CBC, just, just put some reality around this and let's not just continue to live in this weird fantasy land of gender assigned to them uh, rather than, you know, actual reality of the sexes at birth. I mean, that's just, I think, a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, and I don't like the inherent reductivism in this debate where anyone who criticizes this for, you know, some of the reasons you and I have articulated or other reasons gets dismissed as, oh, it's transphobic, it's not progressive. No, I'm, I'm not even saying don't adopt these sorts of views or values. I, I'm saying that we shouldn't have the media pushing them without question. And I'm not against columns. This is a column. It's opinionated. That's fine. I don't even have an issue with that. But I have a very, very hard time believing that the CBC would take someone who was a parenting columnist that had a different view try to write the opposite side of this. So if you are a, a parenting columnist out there and you have the other side, pitch it to CBC and let us know what they say. That does it for us for today. Harrison Faulkner on the other side of the virtual table here, the host of the Ratioed podcast and my temporary co-host. I mean, he's the permanent. I'm the temporary, but uh, the arrangement is temporary Well, Candace is away here. Uh, but my thanks to you all. I'm Andrew Lawton. We will talk to you soon. And this is another Fake News Friday in the bag. Have a good weekend.